Welcome to Becoming Iconic, a global multimedia and mentorship brand that will lift you into having the most exceptional lifestyle and business. I am your host, Jen Spiegel, and as a mom of four, a seven-figure high-performance mentor, editor of a magazine, and the host of this top podcast, I have a lot to share with you. This podcast has been created to talk about all of those things that will support you in both your life, business, as well as leadership. I believe in having a life and business that gives you ultimate fulfillment, and this gets to be your reality. That's why most conversations here will shift many of the paradigms that you've likely been participating in. Be ready to be stretched in both your thinking and in your doing. You will hear advice and wisdom from my 16 plus years of experience building businesses globally alongside of raising a family. And you'll also hear from many other industry moguls. Don't forget to follow on your favorite social media platform. It's simply Becoming Iconic. And while you're there, check out the most recent edition of the Becoming Iconic magazine. I just want you to know something. You're in the right place. And I want to thank you for being here. So this is a very special guest today on the podcast, Brianna Firestone, who was in a mastermind with me, I guess about two years ago, and I got to know her and we sort of, I think, came in out of a couple of programs with our mutual mentor, Allison Bird. And Brianna was just one of these spirits that caught my heart and caught my attention. And I think the, uh, although she's very incredible in so many facets and ways, It's her authenticity and the way that I feel she just shows up as she is that really drew me in. It was something that I was very attracted to and something that my soul was craving for myself. So thank you for being such a great example of that to me and for me. But Brie owns the School of Betty, which is an incredible place for anybody and everybody to go and hang out, especially if you're looking to heal when it comes to your money-based feelings, ideas, narratives, mindset. And the coolest thing and how I want to introduce her is she does neuroscience-based money healing, which has me at hello. We got to know what that is, Brie, and what is different you know, in terms of that neuroscience-based versus what we're seeing out there with a lot of different, I guess, uh, perspectives or coaches in terms of the money space. So welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. And maybe we can just dive right in the deep end and you can explain what that means. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And thank you for that lovely introduction. I received that. The feeling is so mutual. Um, yeah, neuroscience based. I always say that I'm the practical and the magical. Mm-hmm. I am all about following your intuition and your body and listening and and knowing how your nervous system works. And at the same time, I feel like, especially when it comes to money, especially when it comes to ident- individuals who identify as women plus, It is, you know, money is this topic that's super taboo. And so many of us are carrying a lot of baggage around it. And I feel like if we can understand how our brain is working, because so many individuals just are so hard on themselves about the habits they have around the money or the choices they've made, and they are not paying attention to how powerful the brain is, how powerful our habit system is. And if I can impart that knowledge, and we're talking very basic, I'm not a scientist by any means, I just, I study it so much for myself, but I find that if my buddies can understand how their brains work, it is 
helps them release a little bit of stress, a little bit of pressure they're putting on themselves so that they can actually get to the work and they can release some of the shame at the door and baggage they've been carrying for a while. And when they have that knowledge, then they're in a space when we're starting to create new habits and behaviors around our money that they actually know how that happens and they know how it works. It doesn't mean it's going to be easier, but they are equipped with more knowledge and that's powerful. Mm-hmm. It is. Talk to me about Betty's. You got me with that. So School of Betty, where did that come from? You know, I should probably be more upfront with that on my website. Betty was the name of my grandmother, my granny Betty. And that was my dad's mom. And she departed from this 3D world about, uh, I guess it's almost 11 years now. And, you know, I, my sister and I spent most of our time growing up with my dad. He had, you know, the majority of custody, custody of us. And she was very much like a mother figure to me. But she was this badass. When I think of living a really fulfilled life, my granny owned her own real estate business back in the day when it was mostly men. She was very active in her community, um, donating her time. She was constantly learning. I mean, she always had her little bridge book out trying to learn all of the different plays. <laughs> she was on her Nordic track if you remember those, in her 70s into her 80s before she passed away. Um, her and my grandfather, um, who's still alive, just he they loved dancing. And she just was this, um, this spirit, this energy for me that when I thought of living a really great life, I always thought of her. Mm. And so when I started to build a company, I knew I didn't want to name it after myself for whatever reason, but that felt very strong. And then I thought about what I had learned growing up and the wisdom that my granny had imparted on me. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's the school of Betty. That's it. Like, that's it. That's the name. Mm. And so, yes, I call my clients, my students, my Bettys. And um, yeah, that's how that came to be. It's like this um, persona that they get to sort of live through your vision and your description of, uh, to me, it's like liberation vitality, yeah, joy, excitement. It sounds like your granny just lived every day to the fullest. And that's the whole point, isn't it? <laughs> it's the whole point. The whole point. Yeah. The whole point. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back to neuroscience and the way the brain works with money, because there's a lot being taught right now around money mindset. And I know everybody has the best of intentions but I think a lot of it is very surfacey, And I feel like there's a lot of frustrated people out there right now who are listening to some of this wisdom or opinions on how to have abundance and how to have wealth and that it's simply just expect it. And they're, they're feel like they're doing all the things, but nothing's changing in their circumstances. So what is it in the brain? What do we need to understand to make a change within our relationship with money? Yeah, that's such a good good question. I love that you said relationship with money because that's how I want everyone to approach it, right? It's not just this thing. I mean, it is a thing, but if we can approach how we interact with it like a relationship, it really changes the dynamic um, of what that feels like for us. And, you know, there's not to say that there aren't moments where a positive affirmation or a money mantra is not 
is not going to be helpful. I mean, those are in my courses as well. But what I always say is, you know, a budget is a Band-Aid unless you actually understand what's underneath. And I feel the same way when it comes to just like, quote unquote, change your mindset, right? Because we can preach a positive thing about money, but if there's something deep down in our subconscious that we aren't aware of um, that is impacting our worthiness and our belief in that thing, then we're never going to get it. And I think what is really powerful for my buddies to understand when we go through Fierce Finances, the very first week, we are uncovering our money stories. And what I need them to understand is that, you know, how the brain develops, that that's like the key thing to know that by the time you're eight or nine years old, your subconscious brain, it's developed. And we often think of that as, you know, oh, I'm learning how to receive love, how to interpret love, how to walk, talk, all of these other things. And yes, you are also gaining beliefs around your money. Because, you know, when we're born to that age, we are sponges. And it isn't until we're in that alpha stage, um, you know, six to nine, six to eight, where we actually start to bridge the subconscious to the conscious meaning we actually start to develop critical thinking or having thoughts. Well, what we don't realize is that in the time period before then, you were given beliefs. You already have those those thoughts you're starting to have opinions about. They're based off of information you have already received. Mm -hmm. So how the individuals in your household felt about money, the energetics about it, so you're taking up cues of, you know, if your family struggled with money and payday or grocery day, and if that was easy or if it was stressful, you're picking up how the individuals in your world talk about money. Like, we can't afford that. Is that something that was really present? Was it something where payday came and everyone went YOLO and we just spent? Is it an instance where your family struggled with money and the pantry was always empty. So as an adult, you always overbuy food so that your pantry is always full. So there are all of these um, baked in beliefs is kind of how I talk about it. You know, I, I'm sure your listeners are aware our subconscious is kind of like the operating system on a computer. We don't think about it. We just operate on it. Mm-hmm. And what What's really powerful for us to understand is that you have operating systems around your money, and those are impacting your behaviors as an adult with your money. And so I always ask my students, my buddies, um, who's running your money, adult you or eight-year-old you? Who's running the show here? And so if we can go back and start to tap into some of these core memories or just start to bring them to the surface, then we get to have a conversation with ourselves to say, you know, what was this, what was this experience? How did I feel about it? What meaning did I attach to it? That's a big one. And how is it impacting me now? Is it serving me? Because maybe there are some positive experiences that are serving you. And if it's not, we get to thank our brain for capturing that and we get to move on and move in um, to the new habits and behaviors that we want. So sometimes all it takes in that healing moment is to just recognize a pivotal moment. It could be like 
that first moment when you were eight or nine years old where you felt jealous that the person on the playground had brand new Nikes. And all of a sudden you felt shame about what you were wearing. You know, it's like the money is in the space because it's in our day. It's in our days. Every day for the rest of your life, it's going to be here. But it's rarely about the money. So much of our healing is just deeper. I always say it's your it's your hashtag life. This is why I'm a certified life coach. Like we are we are dealing with your hashtag life and money, your time and your energy are the resources that we are juggling, that we are using in order to live a really great life. Mm. Oof. Ain't that the truth? There's something that's coming up to, for me because I, I often in these interviews put myself in the bodies of the people listening in and some of the things I'm hearing over and over again. And one of the things, Brie, I'm certain of is somebody is listening to you right now going, oh my goodness, this makes so much sense to me. And they all start like walking towards that healing or at least observing these beliefs that they've picked up along the way. But then they look at their bank accounts or they look at their current situation and they slip right back into that old behavior, old pattern because there isn't enough money in the bank or, you know, we're, we're too stretched. And so they're so stuck almost in their circumstance that I feel like they stall the healing. Do you find that with your buddies that there's like, I don't know, how do they, how do they cross the bridge there? Oh my gosh, 100%. And I've been that I've been in that space myself. I know you have as well, mm-hmm. right? It, yeah. And that doesn't necessarily go away. As we continue to hit our new levels, you know this. Oh, we get all of our lessons again. <laughs> so we, get to, we get to go back through all of them just to like dive a little bit deeper, right? And this is where the neuroscience can be really, really helpful for an individual. Because yes, we have to acknowledge that, you know, someone is out there where it's feeling really scary right now. And, you know, we can go to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, base level, you know, food, shelter, clothing. Do I feel secure? Do I feel safe? And often when we are feeling fear around our money or like we don't have enough, it is because we are worried that we're not going to be safe. And when we are moving into new habits or behaviors, right? So if someone is sitting there listening to this and it's like, oh my gosh, that's me. I'm behaving in this way. I know I don't want to behave in this way. Then we get to identify, you know, well, what do you want with your money? And who is that individual? This is where a little bit of the mindset stuff comes in. Who is the individual that is making more money, that is a good steward of their money, that is feeling really confident. And what is she doing? What is this individual um, showing up every day? And I think what's really important for individuals to understand with our brains is the minute you start to change a habit or do a behavior that is different from your normal situation, your brain legitimately will deliver deceptive brain messages. It will do everything in its power to keep you where you are. Because for your brain, that's survival. It just recognizes the pattern. It's a way it's efficient, conserves energy so that it can have energy if you are being chased by a lion, right? (laughs) Our brains don't realize that we're in a modern time. And so, you know, if we want to move towards pleasure and away from pain, That's really important for us to, number one, start thinking about our money in a positive light, but understand when you start to change a behavior, this could be your food, 
your movement. It could be anything. It doesn't just have to be with your money. Use that flag, that like, oh, this is never going to work out. Like, why are you thinking these thoughts? Like, no one else in your world is doing this, right? Like, as an entrepreneur, we all feel this. Instead of using that as an indicator that you should not move forward, use it as an indicator that you should move forward. The fact that your brain is delivering um, messages that's like, there's no way you're going to be able to do this. That is an indicator that you are starting to shift into change. Keep going. Keep going. So then the next layer to this, that was so good. Keep going. And I love that because for me, when I'm feeling like imposter syndrome or if I'm feeling really stretched or uncomfortable, it's always a sign for me that I'm continuing to grow. If I feel comfortable, I think to myself, this actually creates more discomfort for me because why am I not feeling that stretchiness in my world right now? So I I do really look for those cues and clues. So I really appreciate that advice. The next layer to me though, and something that I know I hear and most entrepreneurs hear is I don't have enough money right now. And for me, there's this level of being responsible because that could in fact be their truth. But there's also this other side where maybe that's not the full truth. They're just really afraid of investing or doing this thing that's on their heart. How do you discern between responsibility? So you know what? This isn't a responsible decision right now financially and stretching into doing that investment that sort of gravitates them towards more wealth, more abundance. Mm. Oh, I love this because we are in a world as entrepreneurs where what we hear is like, just buy the car, like step into the new person that you want to be and it will flow to you. (laughs) Well, that sounds really nice. Maybe that does work for a lot of individuals, but yes, we want to be quote unquote responsible. And here's what I mean by responsible is you have to know your own risk tolerance. And one of the things that's so important on a personal level, on a business level, is you have to know your numbers. Like we can't just be all intuition. Like we have to pull in some like, you know, masculine energy, have some structure, know what's coming in and out, because then otherwise you are making a decision based off of no data. And when we tell ourselves, you know, this was really big, um, this is really big now as we're going through like potential recession and, you know, when we were going through pandemic, individuals would say, I don't have enough money. It's like, that's really big for your brain. Your brain wants to find the solution and that is just going to spin it up. But if you can say, I have a $200 gap or $2,000 gap every month, then you have given your brain a very specific thing to look for. Like, let's funnel that energy and use it really well. So number one, always know your numbers on the personal side, what's coming in, what's going out, and know your numbers on the business side. I have so many individuals who come to me and they don't know what their monthly business expenses are. And then they also don't know how much their launches are making. They are not leaning into the numbers. They are in a sweet, sweet avoidance. And when we do that, we are just giving ourselves an excuse to not be with our money, therefore creating a block for money coming in, right? We're kind of showing that we don't know how to manage it and we're afraid of it. And so knowing that is really important. I always tell 
entrepreneurs, know your personal too, because you know, you're often in a space where your personal is floating your business for a while, right? Or you're making an investment in your business. So you have to understand what those numbers are. And then you get to tap into yourself to say, what is the investment I want to make? And let's be logical about some of the things. How much money do, is it going to get a return? Mm-hmm. And, and if you're not sure, like sit with it. Like, do I think I can turn this around? Like, how, how would this impact my bottom line? And then you get to ask yourself, if I invested in this and it gave me $0 back, is it worth it? Do I find the value in it? If I invest in this and I only get half the money back, am I okay with this? If I invest in this and I get $0 and it means I might have to go get a full-time job, am I okay with that? You have to ask yourself energetically what feels good because your risk tolerance is not the same as your entrepreneur friend next to you. Mm. And if you are in a space where you're the only entrepreneur in your friends and family, get like, please do not ask them for advice because they will <laughs> they will not know what you're going through and everything will be really risky, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just did this recently where I was like, I'm going to invest a chunk of money into my website and in my business and my brand and just kind of zhuzh things up. And I did not have the expectation that it would return. And for me, if you're in a space where you're wanting to put that money on a credit card, then you have to, you have to ask yourself, how long do I think it would take me to pay it off? How much is that interest going to be? And am I okay with that? Right. That, I mean, that's, that's the reality of it. So many individuals don't have the conversation with themselves and they kind of just hear these things. You you got to like spend money to make money. And it's like, well, that may not be your jam. You may be an individual where it's like, if your business isn't bringing in enough money and you are in major fear and scarcity, it might behoove you to go get a part-time job so that you can actually go back to your expansion mode. Because when we are restricted, when we are fearful, when we are scared, we shut off this beautiful creativity. And that is a requirement for your life, for your business. It doesn't mean you failed. I mean, entrepreneurship is this beautiful roller coaster, right? And your whole job is to live in your joy and be happy. And that means you have to keep yourself safe. And so you get to make the choices that are in alignment for you. And that may look different than the entrepreneur in your mastermind or someone else. Yeah. That's really, really solid advice, Brie. Like really solid advice. Because those questions will just lead you into the answer for yourself. Because what I'm seeing a lot of, especially in the coaching industry, is a lot of shaming in order for people to invest So things like, well, I spent $500,000 this year on coaching, and then they back that up with selling their program for $10,000, and they're almost shaming people. I can see it. It's like, I spent this, so why are you you know, even contemplating spending $10,000 on my two-hour call, (laughs) which is another conversation for another day, but... But I I know there's a lot of shame wrapped in and around our relationship with money. And I've talked about my experience making really incredible income and having none, like literally in the grocery lineup, sweating, thinking, please let this work, like my bank card work. 
and how much shame was wrapped in that because I couldn't understand how someone could make this income and not have enough money at the end of the month. I also just recently read your post around your spend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have to just say, I wanted to bring this up in the conversation. First of all, the fact that you shared that and are authentic and gave the wisdom and taught through your real life experience to me is my kind of person because <laughs> there's so many people with a facade and pretending and afraid of owning parts of their story. So let's talk a little bit about shame. Let's maybe even open up mm-hmm. that story if you're willing and how someone can start untethering some of that feeling in order to see abundance and have more of that joy you were talking about. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So Jen is talking about, I did a post that said how I spent $187,000 in one year. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, what's really interesting. I appreciate the, just the reflection back of the authenticity and I have received great response and just my Betty's appreciating the vulnerability that was there. And And Jen, I think you can relate to this. I've always thought I was really vulnerable and open. And our mutual coach, Allison Bird, has really taught us, (laughs) but are you? Like, are you really being authentic? And, you know, this is this journey I went on. I, you know, at the end of pandemic, at the end of 2020, I started to go through, move through a divorce and that was unexpected for me. It wasn't something I um, thought would I would ever be moving through. I felt very much in alignment with the path that I was going on. And at the same time, was just experiencing deep grief and just fear and just all of the things. And, you know, I, we sold a property. We each kind of walked away with like over like $187,000. We made a very good investment when we brought the, bought that property. And, and I was grateful for it because, you know, in the process of going through my divorce, I was experiencing so much guilt and shame for wanting to live a different life that I did not uphold a boundary and I, a money boundary, which put me $60,000 in debt of trying to just take care of all of the finances for both of us. And so a good portion of that money when I sold that house had to go to paying off of debt. So I had to navigate the feeling that I, as a money coach, had all of this debt. Granted, I was not, you know, YOLO shopping. And also that I, as a money coach, did not uphold my own money boundary. And that was kind of a tough lesson to navigate, right? And then I earmarked money to travel, something that, that is one thing I was like, I'm going to spend $30,000 on travel and oh, did I ever. And it has been the best year of, of just exploring the world and having these really great experiences. And I put some in retirement and the rest, I had this idea that I was going to use it as another down payment. And that is not what happened. My business just started performing at not the level it used to perform. And so then I had to sit with the fact that I had built this business that could kind of operate on its own and still hit over six figures because I, I did not have the capacity to show up in my business like I used to like this. 
I have never experienced such deep grief in my life. I have never felt more unsettled in my life. I um, lived by myself for the very first time at 41 years old. I was like, how is that even possible? There were just all of these new things hitting me. And I was putting a lot of pressure on myself as a money coach to do it perfectly. And I really just started listening to the guides in my life. And I just was like, I have to take care of myself. And what I'm experiencing this past year was, you know, I was not showing up in my business like I used to. I was not doing my normal lead generation. So it makes sense that my business is not performing like it used to. And so I had to use um, money that I was expecting to use as a down payment to live off of. And that, when I look at this giant sum of money, I had to kind of sit with it because I was feeling so much shame. I was feeling imposter syndrome as a money guide. And I had to just kind of, I, I started that post because I actually needed to write the numbers down for myself, which is a tool I always tell my students. The minute you are feeling like you haven't made progress, you have to prove out why you were responsible, like how that showed up, the progress you have made. And so I actually had to write all of that down and have the conversation with myself. It's like, would you have done it differently? And it's like, I didn't know how to do it differently. This was a new experience. I'd never gone through a divorce as an entrepreneur, never gone through divorce one, never done it as an entrepreneur. Like all of these things were very new. And so I was doing the best that I could. And I just felt it was so important for, number one, it was cathartic for me to have that conversation and share that story. But I needed my audience and community to also know that because hashtag life happens. Like my net worth does not look like it used to. I do not own a property right now. Like my money gain, like the, if I, when I say the deep lessons I've had to go through the last two years with my money game, and when I say money, I also mean time and energy of letting go of right and wrong. And just how much of my life I've lived trying to be like living in the right or wrong, knowing that deep trust. How do I start trusting myself again? How do I create a new relationship with my money? How do I? How do I show love? How do I receive love? I mean, it just opened so many deeper portals for me. And so all of this to say, you're going to have bumps in the road and life is going to pop up and you really have to toe that line of just reminding yourself, is this something I can control? Yes. If I went through a divorce again, I'd probably show up differently because I've had the experience now. I can learn from it, right? right. We are so many of uh, my my buddies, they become debt-free or they get an influx of money and they're so uncomfortable and they're so hard on themselves. And they're like, I thought the money would make the difference. And it's like, I just had this conversation yesterday. I'm like, when was the last time you remembered feeling really flowy with your money? She was like, I don't. I've never had that. I've always been in paycheck to paycheck mode. And I'm like, cool. So you want to feel flowy with your money right now. And you're expecting it to happen overnight when your entire life is built around habits of living paycheck to paycheck. Ooh. And your nervous system. Mm-hmm. The, minute, the minute you try to feel calm about your money, your body's like, this is not what we do. We freak out about money. And so you will have to be an active participant 
in the shift. It's in that moment where you have to have a conversation with yourself. It's like, no, thank you for keeping me safe, brain, but we feel calm about our money now. Move about your day. Mm. That was really long-winded, but (laughs) no, it was so good. And it's interesting. I actually had a bit of a revelation as you were talking because I too went through a divorce as many years ago, Mm -hmm. but that was the spark of that feeling of not enough because I, I realized I'd been living on a two income. Well, we had two incomes and all of a sudden that was slashed in half, but I didn't change my behaviors and still spent and sort of perceived my life as a double income home when it wasn't. And I believe that was a part of that slippery slope I went down where I just got myself in a whole lot of debt. And you know, what's really interesting about debt. I'd love your perspective on this is I never thought paying off debt would be fun. Like I always looked at my debt and like, Ugh, so much. <laughs> there was so much. I mean, just in 2020 or 2021, maybe even into 2021, I was a hundred thousand dollars in debt and that was heavy and big. And I had no idea how that was ever going to be paid off. And it just had this like negative feeling in my body and shame. And all of a sudden I started chunking it down, chunking it down and also saving at the same time. That was a really big learning curve for me too. Of Like, don't put it all on the debt because then you don't have any slush. So it's just like perpetuating that situation. But how much fun I had in paying that down and the level of pride I was able to hold on the other side of that. It no longer had these tentacles that were pulling me down and like within shame and more of this, like I did that. But on the other side of it, what's really interesting, Brie, is I'm so afraid of that now. So now (laughs) when money starts being fluid, I just went through a renovation. And although I saved and paid cash for that, the feeling of it leaving brought up a lot of those sort of scars and wounds of that fear of like, I never want to be there again. So do we ever get to a place where we don't have those pop up? Is, Is that even possible? Like, Can we get to this joyous place where we just dance with it all the time? You can. And then when you hit your next level, you're probably going to need to navigate a money block, right? And I love that story because, you know, my, my view on debt is debt is debt, right? You either have debt that's making you money or it's costing you money. Mm -hmm. That's the reality. And so much of what you're quote unquote taught is that debt is bad. And, um, And I don't believe that your whole goal has to be debt-free. I I just don't believe it because I also believe we're not guaranteed tomorrow and you do have to live your life. You should be living in joy. And yes, managing your money, paying off your debt can be super fun. It should be fun. Money is so energetic, right? We call it currency. It loves to move around. Mm -hmm. And you know, so much about the debt, which is really important if you have debt, Sit with the thought, are you holding shame about it, embarrassment? Is it feeling heavy? Because what we want to, I want to encourage individuals because when we feel that shame, that discomfort, we will want to pay it off super fast regardless of whatever circumstance we're in. Mm -hmm. And I just had a conversation with um, a buddy yesterday and I was like, what would happen if you released this resistance you're having around your debt, 
she was like, well, I don't, I don't understand what you mean. And it's like, well, you have income coming in and you have your debt. So there's going to be periods where you can only make the minimums. And then there are periods where you can pay more. And that's the reality of it. But you're in resistance because you're mad that it's not going faster, that you're able to pay it off. So you're creating, you're creating so much stress in your life because it's not going the way you want it to. You're mad because you had to buy new tires unexpectedly and you're just pissed off about it, that now you have debt. And it's like, it is what it is. Like, could you have foreseen those tires? She's like, no, like I couldn't have, have at all. And it's like, cool, like stop stressing out about the thing you couldn't control. This is life. So if we, res- if we release this resistance we're creating, and it's, it's all around your time and energy, right? So money, time, and energy, those three things, they are never, ever hanging out by themselves. You are always negotiating, right? You're never making a decision about one without consulting the other two. If we just release the fact that this is, that we just accept it's going to go a little bit slower and debt's neutral, it is what it is, then how does it feel? Mm. This is a whole different world. And if you're someone who's in debt and maybe you're in a job you don't love or you want to start your own business, holding on to this frequency of being upset and feeling shame and being embarrassed about your debt, again, it puts you in this restrictive place. It doesn't give you the openness for your brain to actually sit into and feel into like what your next move should be. Because like you said before, you will always make the decision based on your current circumstance. And you won't make the decision on based on where you want to go. Mm. That's the difference. We keep making decisions based on where we are now. Guess what? We get to stay where we are now. That's how it works, right? <laughs> you know what's really interesting is you just told your story of the 187000 in a year and sort of what that pulled out of you. And as you were telling that story, I'm like, this only made you a more impeccable, beautiful mentor and guide for Betty's because your own personal experience and what you walked through, you can now teach and it makes you more empathetic and compassionate. And as you started to tell that story of this particular Betty and debt and being neutral and just kind of like giving yourself some grace, I almost like saw that come to life through your recent story. It's like you're literally walking people hand in hand, because I think leadership, it's really interesting with leadership. I think sometimes we're standing beside someone. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we're ahead, blazing the trail, showing them what's possible. And I also think sometimes we're behind kind of nudging them and encouraging them to raise their own trail. And I really see you as that leader. And Bettys are Mm -hmm. really lucky to have you lead them. Oh, thank you. I receive that. Yes, it was I think you feel this way too when you're in the coaching space. I've always just approached some of the the trials and the tribulations that I'm going through of like, okay, I'm probably going to be teaching this at some point. Like I guide individuals in their money because I was a disaster with my money in my 20s. Like I had so much credit card debt. I was a shopaholic, like total shopaholic. <laughs> when that movie came out, I was like, is this my life story? What's happening? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and 
when I got through that, right, it's the hero's journey. When I got through that and I just got so excited that I got through that, I wanted to share that with anyone that I could, that would listen because I knew how much stress it, it added to my life. And in this next transition that I've gone through, I, I have never, you know, it gives me compassion for any of my friends or family who've gone through a divorce when I didn't actually soak in how, how, what a big transition that is. Like I, I mean, I was with my partner for 18 years since I was 23 years old. Oh, hey. Like also like, you know, navigating money, living by myself. I'm like, oh, I don't actually really know who I am. It sounds so cliche. I would, I would laugh sometimes because I'm like, I am eat, pray, love, crying in my kitchen floor. Yes. But there was so much beauty in that because, you know, I can be such a stoic, masculine energy, ambitious, go get it. Like nothing will ruffle my feathers. And then I moved into this space where I would just start crying in Target. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm just trying to pick out a graphic coffee mug. Like, please, <laughs> why are we crying right now? Yeah. Or like at a stop sign or, you know, in the grocery store or, you know, someone says something and it's like, you know, broccoli. And I was like, I don't know why I'm crying right now. Like mm-hmm. it just swung me like to the other side. And I think that has been so beautiful for me to experience challenging, uncomfortable because I feel like it just gives me so much more capacity to hold space for the Bettys who come into my world. Um, like you said, to show empathy, but to also show them because I've had to learn it myself. And this is, gosh, it sounds so cliche, but it's like, you know, showing vulnerability, crying doesn't mean I don't have my shit together. It. it doesn't mean I'm not capable of, you know, being a badass entrepreneur. Yeah. And that is a story I am still having to unwind in my brain. And I think what's important to understand that is it, it, that, that in itself impacts how you react with your money. It impacts how you spend your money, right? If I'm in this space where I never ask for help, guess what? You're probably not asking for help with your money. Mm-hmm. You're too scared. Yeah. 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 What would be as I could talk to you for the next hour, I really could, because I even love how you teach on money wounds. So friends, you must, must, must go follow. We'll link you all in the show notes. And I, I do want you to share where the, where you like them to go. But before we go there, you're sitting with me. I'm a Betty. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Betty who has big dreams and a big vision for herself. And I know there's more. I know there's more to me. I know there's more to my life. But I am completely stuck in this feeling of scarcity, fear. I, I feel like I don't have enough money to move forward. I'm just at that place. And you, I'm sure this is a, a theme in a lot of the partnerships you have. What's the most potent, impactful piece of advice you would give me to just start the movement towards all that I desire? Mm. <laughs> Well, first, I would reflect to you um, that you have always figured it out. And you, yourself, you have been with yourself since the moment you took your first breath. You are the only individual who has been with yourself 100% of your life. And so I think that's really important because we abandon ourselves and we seek outside to move forward. And so I always want 
my Betty's to recognize that. It's like you have always figured it out and you will continue to figure it out. And then I, you know, of course it's like not one answer. Then I have to, you know, remind them of like, what would make you feel safe? Sometimes they're like, I don't feel safe. And I was like, is there a number to that? Is there something that needs to happen in your life in order to move you into that space where it feels differently? And then I want them to just make one tiny action. So much magic is in the tiny actions if we do them consistently. And that is 100% with your money. And, you know, this is where we have to visualize who is that, who is that individual who's accomplished all the goals and how is she behaving and how, how, what's the gap of those behaviors from where you are now? And we're not going to change all of them overnight. Like we're not, we're not in extreme mode here, right? We are all about creating sustainable habits. And what is the one tiny action that if you thought about it right now, that's shifting you towards that direction, that gives you a lot of satisfaction. That's where we start because we have to be really satisfied in the journey because if we're not, we put the blinders on, we go for the goal, we hit the goal and we're like, that's it. I am a recovering, (laughs) put blinders on individual where I'm just like, oh, this is it. It's almost like, it's almost like you're an addict. Like you just like keep going to the next goal and you didn't enjoy the process. And like we're waiting to be that person as though money will create that feeling in our bodies. Like for me, there was always this draw to elegance. And to me, elegance is like simple beauty, flat, mm-hmm. fresh flowers, a candle lit, silk robe, like these, these little tiny things that dropped me into this feeling of elegance. And I remember the same thing, Brie. It was like, when I make this kind of income, I'll be able to feel this way in my days. And mm-hmm. the hugest shift for me was what you just said. So I'm, I'm so glad you gave that advice because for me, that would be absolutely true in my, my personal situation. It was like, I became that feeling. Like I didn't wait for the money to grant me that feeling. I got to have that in the meantime. And when I did that, like just all this beauty started dropping in and it was way beyond the dollars in the bank account and more about experiences and smelling nature, looking at nature, hearing a sound differently. It's like how you move through your day. And naturally when you give gratitude and thanks for those things, they grow. So it's like, yes, totally. Yeah. And that puts you in a space of looking at wealth and not as just money. Money is just one way that the universe shows you wealth. Absolutely. You know, I'll share this last thing. When I was in a kind of just in a really like sticky place, like the money wasn't flowing and I just was like, what is going on? I just wanted to experience abundance and wealth. I just, I was like, I'm open for this. Like show me. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, I had probably two or three friends who I hadn't talked to in a long time call me and say, hey, can we hang out? And I was like, oh, Hmm. oh, that's right. What a great reminder. Like when we are wealthy in our lives, it's not about, it's rarely about the money in the bank account, Mm y'all. It's like, do I feel satisfied in my relationships? Am I nurturing those relationships? Am I laughing every day? Am I having a good time? If y'all follow me, I roller skate. I started roller skating in this journey and it just like, it's like I want to scream we as I'm like going around the like rink the first time I did it. So I was like, this is exhilarating. But it's those little moments I think that are, um, we, for, we miss them. Mm-hmm. 
And when you're in that space of gratitude, and this is not a bypassing thing, but actually recognizing the riches in your life, things will start to shift because it then it becomes about, do I feel fulfilled? Do I feel safe? And it's less about the number in your bank account. Amen. And that's a good energetic focus. Amen. Ooh, what a way to end. And we have everybody sitting on the edge of their seats right now going, but, but, but tell me more. <laughs> so where can they go, Brie? Where, where would you like to take them? Because I know there's a lot of heartbeats that want to come in and be immersed in your world. Yeah. Well, I spend a lot of my time on Instagram. So that's at the School of Betty. And you can always find me at theschoolofbetty.com. But I do um, spend a lot of my time on Instagram and, and giving content. I have several, you know, course options if you want to work with me and, and start your journey. But start just by consuming the information and just starting on your own if that feels good. Um, and lean into the nudge that you're feeling if you're kind of feeling that like, uh, I've kind of felt like I need to pay attention to this and it feels scary. Um, just remember, treat your money like a relationship. Lean into it. Spend time with it. Care for it. Say nice things about it. Yeah. Yeah. Friends, go. Go run. She's one of my favorites. And uh, I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate your wisdom. And I really appreciate your leadership. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate you so much and look forward to our next conversation. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Your time and presence means the world to me. If you would be so kind to leave a five-star review so more people can learn about becoming iconic, that would be such an act of generosity. And please go download and read the newest version of the Becoming Iconic magazine available at becomingiconic.co.co. Now let's go make it a great day.